This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has a potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to yet another episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today we have a bit of a legend um, from the Northwest, a legend from Salford, um, a letting agent who we've known for a very long time and uh, has uh, saved our bacon on numerous occasions. Uh, Please welcome to Property Jam, Neil Walton. So Neil, um, introduce yourself. Who are you? What did you do? So... I'm, my name's Neil Walton, as you said. My company is the HMO Guys. Um, we manage HMOs across the Northwest. So we have um, a, port, a small a portfolio manager in Salford and Warrington. And we've recently just started doing one in Bury as well. We're a team of, um, well, th- two and a half at the moment, but we're seen to be three and a half. Um, who's the half? Who, who, who's the half? half? We've got part-time, part-time. Um, the top half or the bottom half? Um, <laughs> it's kind of the middle, in between half, like cross half. Um, the emotional intelligent half, um, which is probably the best way to, to describe it. We manage a portfolio of around 240 rooms um, across them areas. We, we launched two and a half years ago um, with one house and nine units. Um, and I think as today, it stands at 238. Um of which we've got nine that are empty um, wow. across there. So we're doing okay at the moment. We've had some tricky times over lockdown as, as everybody has. Um, we, I, before that, I worked very briefly for another letting agent. Um, but then before that, I was a regional manager for a recruitment agency, um, managing a branch in Manchester, Middlesbrough, Newcastle and Chester. And one branch that covers all those areas. That seems there's a big branch. No, it's four, four branches. Okay. Gosh, that's a bit of a change of career. How did you go from that to become a letting agent then? So accidentally, I joined a letting agent. So I got me, I took voluntary redundancy um, from my role um, after I've been there for four years. Um, And then I met a letting agent who was looking for somebody to help him develop his business. And what I'd done in my recruitment career really was open new branches for them, staff the branches, get them to a turnover um, and maybe 15, 20 grand a week. Um, and then open another team and then move on. So over the four years that I was there, I'd opened four branches um, and done that. And so he took me on to help me grow his business. But then um, I sort of did a few little bits of room lets with him and sort of helped him with that. And then it grew into the fact that I was better at letting rooms than other people. So then I ended up doing all of the lettings. Um, and then really, we, we just parted company because he was getting ready, I suppose, to sell his business to somebody else, which is a story for another day. Um, and then I'll be honest, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, but the key point, which I, I, I suppose I'll come into it when we get to the human point, is that if we look at people when I was in recruitment, the key part to somebody's success in life is to have a stable, safe, secure place to live um, that's pleasant. And so really what I've got into is the other side of the industry and helping people set foundations um, so they can be successful throughout the long term. Love it. Yeah, it's that Maslow's hierarchy of needs things and shelter being so important as a fundamental human need, right? And exactly right into that. Exactly. And if you've got the wrong place to live, do you know what? Um, everything in your life is generally less enjoyable or less successful, I suppose. To be fair. There's obviously 
parts of it that maybe it doesn't work like that. But I think overall, if you get the foundations in life right, um, you can have a springboard success in all other parts of it, really, to be fair. And I think that's what we sort of pride ourselves in doing. It's all about offering a quality of product and service to the tenants through the landlords to help them progress their life. Oh, really I was going to ask you the question, what does the human side of property mean to you? But you kind of semi-answered it. But uh, Yeah, no, that's um, why I was like, trying not to say too much because I was like, oh, this is the question that I've been told to come coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what would your answer to that question be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the answer to the question is really, I suppose, the human side to property is that you've got to appreciate the impact that your product and service has on your customer. Um, and ultimately, your customer is your tenant. Um, and although the landlord is a customer as well, the reality is if you get it right with the tenant, most of the time you're getting it right with the landlord as well. Because equally, if your product performs with the tenants, it generally performs for you as a landlord as well. Well, of course, if you don't have any tenants, your landlord's not very happy. Yeah, and if you don't have any, if you don't have good tenants that don't pay, it's not very good. If you have tenants that are in the wrong sort of dynamic, so you've got to match the dynamic of the people together and understand, you know, what their motivations are and why they might fit in a certain house. Um, and it's not always about putting the first tenant into the first house they see. Um, quite often, tenants that we place in houses um, have gone to a different house first. And then we've we've met them, talked to them and been like, actually, do you know what? This house might not be quite right for you, but I've got this one around the corner. Let's go and look at it. And although in some respects, some landlords will say that's taking somebody away from the advert, my adverts attracted that person. But equally, the game works really fairly across the board because exactly the same thing happens the other way around. Um, and if you put the people in the right places, and I think one of the things we've talked about before is length of occupancy. Um, and across the board, I think our length of occupancy is averaging about 14 months at the moment. Good for HMOs. Um, it's not bad, is it, to fair? Mm. I think that, and I think that sometimes that's about saying to people, actually, I don't think you're right for this house. Um, and yeah, do you know what? That loses us maybe a letting fee um, and loses you, gives you maybe a, a few more days of void. But actually, if you get that extra few months out of them, you've won, really, mm. if I'm honest. I think we're always, we've all been guilty of it, I would say, to... You, you're so eager to get the rooms filled that you think, oh, let's just fill the rooms and we'll worry about it later. But then mm. that just can end up causing so much hassle further down the line. Yeah, yeah. It, it causes um, damage to the whole environment in the house, really, to be honest. I think that's mm. the um, the key thing about it. You can you can make as much money as you want, but actually all you'll do is lose money in the long term by doing the wrong thing. I mean, don't get it wrong, you can't get it right 100% of the time. No. Um, but you know, I'd like to think Touchwood, we, we, we try and get it right as we can. And I think that comes from having sort of real care and attention to what both parties want. Yeah, So definitely. do you make, when you're, let's just say you're showing a prospective tenant uh, a room in a house, what kind of assessment criteria are you going through, albeit in your head, sort of thinking, you know, are they right, the right age demographic, their working circumstances, their like their gender, like what are you doing? Like, yeah, how do so, you we, so we are. So, but to be honest, that 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 sort of bit is is screened out in the beginning. So when we when we have a tenant, whether they come from I don't know Facebook, Spare Room, Right Move, all the all, all the sort of other portals that we're using at the moment, we've really screened them by age um, and and things like that. In, well, I suppose we haven't screened them really on gender. We've 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 noticed it because we don't have any single sex houses which um, 
I'll come on to in a second, I suppose. But um, we've screened them for age, we've checked that they're working, or I suppose legally now they're earning enough money to rent the room or to pass the criteria to do it. Um, and then when we meet them, really what we're doing is we're showing them the house and we're thinking, are they a nice person? If they live here, um, would I live with them? Do we think that if they're in the kitchen when we do a viewing, would they help us or hinder us in selling the next room? Um, and do we think they'd get on with the other people? And we wouldn't let somebody we can't by, say for yes. So are you doing that by just like asking them sets of questions and just generic conversation? Are you just kind I of think it's a conversation. It's never a set of questions. Yeah. Um, it is you're meeting them out of house, talking to them, you know, how was your journey here? Did you find us okay? Brilliant. Why are you moving? Where are you working? That sounds interesting. What is it that you you know, actually do there, you know, how did you get to that point? You know, how did you get that job? Um, really just having a really organic conversation. And I think that, that the more strict the questions are, the less information that you get. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a skill actually in, in, um, in vetting people. It's, it's vetting people without knowing they're being vetted. Yes, exactly. It's about, yeah. yeah, and it is about second. I mean, there is an element of second guessing in it. And I mean, Keenan, who works here and he does um, probably 50% of the viewings, to be fair, he's um, learned a lot. But sometimes that he, you know, he's learned some things by things going right and by celebrating it. And he's learned some things by things going wrong. Um, and, and we fix it together. And I think that that's the key thing is you've got to, the, the way that we work as, as a company is it's all about working together. Um, and it's all about talking and being open about the kind of tenants that we've got. Um, so I, don't, I haven't, in the beginning, I had met all of the tenants, obviously, but as we've grown, it's impossible for me to know who they all are. Um, but equally, there's somebody in the team that's met everybody, regardless of whether we move them in during lockdown, because I think that even though there was ways we could still meet people during lockdown, and equally, it was probably more important to match the dynamic then, mm. because they're all stuck in the house all the time together. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You don't want to be stuck in a house with three or four other people that you don't get on with when you're there 24-7. Yeah, it's just nasty, isn't it? It's... It is, yeah. Yeah, it's quite stressful. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's quite a skill, as Matt said. <clears throat> it really is. It's like, because what you're doing effectively is you're stepping into the tenant's shoes. That's what you're doing. You're, mm -hmm. you're going, if I lived here, how would I perceive you and would this work? And that's, that's requires a, an emotional intelligence, like an, a, an empathy. It's quite, that's mm. good. Yeah. I think I'll be honest, that's, that's been one of our key challenges when hiring people to mm. work here is finding, do you know, do you know what? I've just offered somebody a job um, who's there, but equally she's come from a, a lettings background, but she's not so far into it that she's um, tunnel visioned into just filling rooms and just making money because yeah the ethos is that if we always do the right thing we will make money yes um and when i say right thing i don't mean right as in you know the outcome is always right but if we always do the ethical and moral thing so we always you know, try and make human decisions generally it will work out in the long run for us yeah that's good like it like it a lot mm. yeah and i haven't um, written that down because to be honest i didn't know about this until two hours ago <laughs> No, <laughs> but a bit last minute. That's how we roll around here. Okay, so we fly by the seat of our pants at Property Jam. That, that was very good. You need to listen back to this, and uh, there you go. You just written your uh, your prospectus. True, that's that's a good point. Yeah, um, <laughs> amazing. But um, 
Nicole, when when guests come on, because um, we like to keep it a conversation, we ask uh, you guys to um, ask a question. So, um, obviously, you've had little time to prepare. So I'm, I'm I'm talking a little bit longer, so give you a little bit more time to think about this. <laughs> but um, uh, have you come prepared with a question for us? I haven't really, if I'm honest. No, um, <laughs> I think that you know, obviously, you've probably talked. What's what? Maybe this is a, a question. You've talked to other letting agents previously. Um, and how do you, th when we talk about matching dynamics, how do you think that affects portfolios positively or negatively? Oh, it's interesting. I think Joe might have a different perception being students that they kind of, I'd yeah, say Joe, your, your dynamic comes as a, they as bring a group. They, 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 they bring, bring the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, they come as a group, don't they? Which is yeah. the, which is an issue actually in a lot of ways because I was thinking about this what's lovely about the way you round that you do it is like you've got like a, a setup and you're filling bits of the jigsaw puzzle to make it ideal whereas what happens is you've got a group of people who are in their sort of late teens early 20s never lived away from home they're all really good mates because they've never lived together Mm -hmm. And then they all like love each other and they're all like great and study buddies and all the rest of it. And then all of a sudden they go into a living environment together and all the truth comes out and you get potentially a lot of drama yeah. because of their age and because they've never lived away from home before and because it's not rose tinted like they thought it was going to be because so-and-so hasn't done the dishes or never hoovers or, you know, the reality sets in. So actually, even though it's perfect and bespoke and provided, it can transpire into drama like when you have tenants uh sleeping with each other and pissing the other one off and i've had all yeah. of that drama yeah it's um yeah yeah and we have that as well but probably not to that maybe not to that extent but that's interesting because we've been asked to do students a number of times mm. and i've always steered away from it because the way that i feel students would work for us if we need a really big team in the office for maybe two months of the year while we let the rooms and while you move them in and while you check them in but then suddenly you've done all of your lettings and you know you've got a really big maybe an influx of cash flow at that point and as for you as landlord you've got a really big expenditure at that point mm. whereas we can spread hope spread it across the year which I just thought was a better dynamic I suppose for us I think um, I've always shied away from it if I'm honest I'm not going to lie and say there's pluses and minus to any you know and I also remember me being a student <laughs> yeah. and just end it there yeah full stop right yeah I think this pluses and minuses so I think as a landlord I enjoy the student market because I I like the termly payments of income in the cash lump sums that they come because in because they pay like in yeah when student loans come in don't it they comes up, so it's September in the main if it's a, a domestic student it's September January oh look at him do you, know what, oh, I mean, do you know what's really weird isn't it's ringing but it's on silent oh someone if i can prove it it's like it's there it's on silent it's uh yeah. <laughs> at the universe somebody's trying to get really somebody's trying to, trying to i'll put it in the drawer just in case it, you know apple tries to um it's a student trying to get a room it's like whilst we're on the topic possibly yeah possibly <laughs> No, but I think I like the, the set payment points. So you've got the, the termly payment points of, of which there's um, September, January, and then April. But if it's an international student, they will tend to pay a year up front in January. So that's how do you, great. But how do you find vetting an international student? 
Well, see, this is where, for me, a fully managed letting agent service that takes care of all of that for me. I have absolutely no idea until the tenancy agreements are signed because it's just, that's that's what I've chosen as a landlord. I want to be as hands-off as possible when it comes to the managing side of things. The refurb, you know, purchase right through to refurb, I'm all in. And at that point, I step back. So I trust my agents so much because they do everything from brokering my um, utility bills to sorting out the council tax exemption forms to, you know, doing all the viewings and getting the right group of people into the right house. You know, it, it, for me, that's what I pay the higher letting agency fee for, for a fully managed service. So I actually don't care. But going back to something you said, which I thought was really interesting about single sex houses you said there's a reason you don't do it. So I've had, uh, you know, all boys' mm-hmm. houses. I've had all girls' houses. I've had, like, mixed bag. Mixed bag for me is definitely where I've had the best tenants experiences. Yeah, it's a thing, isn't it? It's a good thing, and I think, that, to be honest, it's, it's two different reasons, if I'm honest, because what you've got, if in a single-sex house, it, it tends to be either more fraught or too laid back, Yeah, I think is the answer. And also, if you have one tenant leave, then you've got to just fill it with that gender again. Mm. Um, and actually, you probably, you, strictly speaking, you're not allowed to, to filter people on gender. The only thing we're allowed to filter people on is age. Yeah. So really, all you're doing is making a harder job for yourself. But equally, the diversity in the house helps people get on, I think. I completely agree with that. And, and from experience, when I was in university, I lived in a student house and it was me and six other girls in this, uh, H- it was a HMO, I didn't know it was a HMO, it was completely illegal now that I'm thinking back on it, <laughs> had a tiny little loft room that was no more than about four square meters for someone to live in. Um, but anyway, there were four, there were, sorry, there were six girls and myself, there were two sisters as well in the house, and it was an, an absolute nightmare. And I grew up with six sisters, so it's not as if I wasn't used to living in a house full of girls, that was not the issue. Yeah. It was just that they couldn't get on with each other. It was like living in World War Three, and after about three months, I moved out and just left them to it. So it was like, keep the deposit, <laughs> just just let me go. I want yeah, to get out of here. Ready to run away, yeah, ready to yeah, run away. Yeah, it, it was a really, a really bad experience for, for me personally, living in that type of environment. So I can imagine it's, it's probably not the first time that it's been like that, not the first time that it's happened. So, yeah. I, I mean, we I, did try, we have tried it, and, and, and to be honest, it was just very difficult overall and and for numbers of reasons i can't give you a a list there's lots and lots of reasons where we did try doing an all-girls house with a group of girls that we they approached us um and actually it just created more headaches for us overall mm. um so it's about i mean again like i mean like we said choosing people carefully is better for everybody and by god they were messy to live with it was a messy oh my god i was the only person in the house that cleaned up <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna sound really bad now, but actually, girls' rooms tend to be messier, and that's that's not being sexist. It's just when we do inspections, it's. Can I? Yeah, it's really interesting because you normally think it'd be the other way around, um, oh. and guys being messier. But I think you're right. Having the mixture, they self-regulate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my letting agent says he says generally on inspections, girls' rooms are tidier, but girls are dirtier. So girls don't clean the boys are quite the boys tend to clean um but they're quite and they'll be tied but they're not tidy like they'll be just stuff all over their room it's chaos like their wardrobe is on the floor effectively whereas the girls everything's sort of like in its place it's fairly tidy but there's dust everywhere you mm. know or there's an there's a plate full of last night's dinner 
Um, so yeah, and he said that tends to be sort of just noticeable in the in the student. Maybe it's a younger thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, we don't. I mean, we we don't have that generally. We have girls tend to be messier. I think because they tend to have more stuff, whereas yeah. boys tend to come with a suitcase and live out of it almost. If that makes sense, like we tend to <laughs> boys tend to be quite minimalist, um, and I suppose girls tend to to have a lot more a lot more things. Um, but then equally, we look at professions, and I think that actually out of the whole portfolio, the messiest people we have are doctors and teachers. I hear this a lot, and I, I've heard that from many many um, sources actually. Yeah, doctors being the, the bigger one. Because if you think about it, people are organised. Everybody in the world is highly, highly organised in the thing which is the most important to them. Yeah. So organised doesn't mean that they can run a diary, that they can you know, organise their clothes. Yeah, it's organised in a way that works for them. So doctors are highly organised in their work life. So I can imagine, imagine that they've got this structure that they've got to follow. They're on rotor. They've got all these things at work. As soon as they get, they're off. They're like, that's it like the walls come down and he's like I can't, I just, just can't do anything and um, I, I can see that quite a lot happening and it's probably similarly with teachers because uh, they probably expend so much energy the other day and they're so focused they're probably organized in that that way that just tidying up after themselves just doesn't even factor in them like daily mindset mm, that makes sense like me point. really Uh, yeah i mean i think yeah doctor we've got one doctor actually in the house that i think he gets undressed before he walks into his room because outside of his room is just a pile of clothes and i'm just like i can't understand how this works because what if somebody's coming along the corridor Um, and then we get to an inspection there's a pile of clothes outside his room and we knock on the door and say take your clothes in this isn't your space but they've had to get there somehow and so, <laughs> he's just, he's just undressing as he's coming in the front door, just throwing stuff. <laughs> I know, I just like, I just don't get this. I mean, touch nobody in the house has ever mentioned it, in all fairness. And so maybe he's just been very lucky and not got caught, or I don't know. But literally, it's, there's a pile of clothes, and it's, it's his shoes, it's clothes, everything outside of his bedroom door. And maybe that's his protest. You know, you get there, stand in front of the front door, blah, 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 off and in. It's like, right, that's it. I, I've, I've left my work at the door. <laughs> Yeah, for someone else to trip over (laughs) for someone else to trip over yeah because the cleaner always gets a little bit mental about it because she's like have you seen this and sends me a picture of it and i'm like oh no it's not one of our houses is it Uh, yeah maybe actually it is it is one of our houses (laughs) because i've seen the pictures (laughs) yeah oh no you've got a gp stripper i I, I don't know where the room is in as well yeah it's uh yeah and then when you see the picture of the inside do you know what i mean i think it'll be fine when he's moved out if i'm honest Oh yeah, like, it's, it's just damaged. Messy. It's just, just, just messy. He's just burrowing <laughs> through to his bed. That's It'll be fine when he's gone. Not funny. Like it's, it's that's quite psychological, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Maybe funny? he doesn't like having dirty clothes in his room. Yeah, I don't like having them in the corridor though either. No, no one does. You know, let's. No. But it's like people, and this is a boy thing, where you, you you drop your clothes at the foot of the linen basket. You don't put it in the linen basket. I've seen this repeated behaviour. But they've got a linen basket, so they've given it some thought. Yeah. Or their mums bought it for them. <laughs> well, no, because their mums historically would have just seen that, picked it up and put it in the linen basket. True. I mean, I'll be honest, I, I buy lots of things that I think will make me do things. <laughs> like? Like I buy a gym membership, but just pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you buy, you buy lots of things. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I've not got one of them. Well, no, I had a George Foreman, but I realised it was so hard to clean that it just had to go in the bin. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just not a sensible way of cooking things, is it? To be honest. And, <laughs> really? Um, well, I don't. We talk about tenants. We've got a we've got a housemate in one of our other properties, um, and he's got a George Foreman in his bedroom that he uses to cook on. Oh God! Are you joking? Mm, that's not really very. Um, yes. Fire safe, is it? No. It's not really anything safe, to be honest. No, and it, but the, and uh, ironically, he lives. His bedroom is right next to the kitchen, <laughs> so he's got the least distance to walk to get there. But the smell. Imagine if you was like cooking sausages and stuff, and that smell of fat and just permeate. Yuck! Gross. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's lost, he's lost his deposit. He's lost his deposit, and probably it'll cost us a lot more than that to get the room back to. And to get rid it'll of the probably, smell, because that's the it'll worst. Be new, it'll be new carpet, it'll be mould, yeah, paint, yeah, the whole thing will have to be done. I mean, smell, so the smell a smell in a room is the worst thing. It's very hard to get rid of that. Yeah, smoke yeah. or fat and cooking. Well, let, let, let's just uh, kind of reiterate yeah. that this is the minority. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Do you know what? Actually, if I, if, if I, even, if I look at the portfolio we manage, we've probably only got two tenants that we have concerns of that nature over. Mm. Um, but equally, I don't think any of them are going to cause any damage. Um, and smoke. I mean, like smoking rooms is very. It happens, but not much. If I'm honest, like not not as much as you think it would happen. Mm. Well, smoking generally is just reduced right across the board now, hasn't it? Um, I think people are just so much more health conscious, and if they do smoke, it's like a phase of their life, as opposed to you're just that chain smoker who started at 16 and just cracks on. You know? Like, yeah, true. Yeah. It's probably more like a a lot of a social thing or a thing you do for a period of time. Yeah. yeah. Or you're smoking like often it's like they just smoke weed like that that seems to be the thing and it's recreational so it's like of a weekend and and then you don't it, you, they don't do it throughout the week and you're like well, what can i do you know like it's hard to police it's difficult because then you get a complaint of somebody who doesn't like it and you have, smell, what can i do because actually the police won't take it that seriously that's it they've got better things to do so um so if the law won't take it that seriously what what can i do because i'm yeah. not I, you can have a conversation but inside and that's the only thing it's just if they're smoking outside that what's yeah it, it's it's on its way to being legalized so yeah you know and there's an aspect of leaving them to if nobody's complaining there's an aspect of leaving them to enjoy their home right yeah i mean and that's how i see it in fact on uh, another recording that we've done today we, it was really interesting um uh, the guest star lorraine she said um, about oh when you're living in a rented property it's not your home and I thought oh my god that's that's an episode you know that mm -hmm. we could talk about because actually my perspective as a landlord is that that is your home it is your home yeah you know it's yeah, my that's... house as bricks and mortar but it's your home so you have the right to have a pet and you have the right to to kind of exist how you want to exist within it providing it's not breaking anything you know any of the agreements completely agree with got, you actually right <laughs> Yeah, because and same thing because we often have it. We've got one landlord who we work with here that's quite local, and he'll think nothing of popping in, and then he'll be like, "Oh, they've left all the lights on. They've done this. They've done that." And I, the conversation I always have with him at that point is, "This is their home. We really need to let them enjoy it if you want to keep them long term." Yeah. And things like leaving the light on in the hallway isn't a great cost to you, and if that's the biggest problem we're encountering in that house, oh. we're winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and there are solutions to, to hallway lights. You just put a sensor in and exactly. it solves the problem. It's like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
Is what they call P P P I R. Yeah. P I R sensors in all the communal spaces. It just takes the issue out of it. And on suites as well. P I R in on suites saves you a world of pain when it comes to. But as long as you don't put a microwave sensor in an en suite, because then it turns on every time someone rolls over in bed. What? Oh, what? So you can get lots of lots of the new lights that you put in communal spaces and things like that. They have microwave sensing rather than PIRs, which are um, it sends out a radio wave to see if anybody to. And so what you'll notice is them sensors um, will close. Will the light in the hallway will come on as somebody gets to the front door rather than when they come into it. Mm-hmm. But equally, if you have that sensor in the bathroom, it means you know if somebody's, I suppose, particularly moving in bed, you could have a bit of a disco going on. So, oh. so basically, even the moral of the story is check what what the sensor. Yeah, you because a PIR can't see through a door, but a microwave sensor can. Because uh, really uh, what we in, in one of the houses that we that we look after, one of yours actually, to fair, is um, you've got them in the hallway on the first floor, and one of the things we had to um, get over is that every time a car went past outside, the lights all came on. <laughs> <laughs> Before. No, <laughs> no. I think we just sorted it out, if I'm honest. Because we talked about just... great communication in the previous. Um, <laughs> episode. I was like, to be honest, we'd tell you about things you need to know. <laughs> How did you say? Well, did, did you just spend our money and fix it? No, it's just a little. This is like a little, um, <laughs> like a little, sweet. like a switch inside that you you turn and it goes less and more sensitive. That's so so, so it only goes on when people walk past now. Yeah, basically, yeah. When well, it's a good deterrent for burglars, I guess. <laughs> they come in anywhere near the house, the lights are going to go on. It was when oh, I yeah, think, on, I on think the tenant's going to go on. On the one hand of the road, the dog's going to bark. <laughs> yeah, and the, well, the tenant was in the room. I think in the, I can't remember which room it was now, but she thought she thought somebody kept coming into the house. She was like, the first night she was there on her own, and she was like, the lights kept coming on. Who's who else is in here? And like nobody. <laughs> um, and then your friend, your I was friendly there, ghost. Yeah, and I was there quite late, I think. And I got into my car outside, and as I drove past, all the lights came on. I was like, ah, oh. oh, I know what's happening now. You know, like, I know. Uh, and we've had it the same thing in other houses, like one house in Warrington with another landlord, where his lights in his hallway came on when somebody walked in the hallway next door because it was just a single <laughs> layer of bricks. And we had a girl in on her own and she was like, oh my God, I think there's somebody coming in the house at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, no, there isn't, to be honest. It's just these newfangled lights that, that in some ways are much better, but in some ways just... Oh, I love that. Um, I love that. But yeah. So, that's, oh, so now that I understand, because in this flat that I live in, every time I walk past our, the door, the main entrance door to the flat, the lights in the hallway outside come on. Mm-hmm, that's it, yeah. So that's it. See, microwave sensors can you explain the point there because i like the pir ones because actually they are activated when you go into a room why in what on what planet would i need a light to come on before i've gone in like i'm just trying so to- you wouldn't need that but a microwave sensor can cover a wider area so if you've got a big hallway right like um say for example a hallway that has like maybe a, like a, an l shape in it or like a zigzag in the middle yeah you could just have one light with one micro sensor and it would see all the way to the kitchen door to the front door right but a pir sensor you'd probably get halfway down the corridor before the light came on, on. Yeah. So you probably tripped um, over half of the shoes and sort yeah. of like exactly the doc- right yeah the doctor's clothes and- <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Also, do you remember being in school when you'd be um, sitting down? You'd all be watching. You'd be moving slightly, um, but I don't know. The teacher's giving a lecture. You're watching something on a screen, and then the the, the lights would just go off. Yes. Yeah, it's because it's not covered. It only covers certain areas, certain and, area. and and you have to move quite a lot 
Great to see you. Whereas in our office, to be honest. Yeah. So say, for example, it, yeah, that microwave sensor idea in a communal lounge when people are sitting, not moving that much, watching TV might be better because you're not going to have to stand up and, you know, mm. every 15 minutes, turn it back on again. Mm. So um, that's quite a good solution for um, lounges, kitchens, whereas last year, like the thing the, about PIRs, they, they are a little bit tidier because they don't have to, you know, like, a, the, sorry, the PIR, the micros are a little bit tidier because the PIR always comes out of the light and is a visible sensor, mm. whereas the microwave just sits inside the fitting. Yeah. Mm. So it can look a bit nicer, I suppose, in some ways. Yes, you don't even know they're there. So I, I definitely walked into some of our houses and gone, where are the sensors? Yeah. And I've been very confused. Now I, know, now I know why. <laughs> Hidden. Um, <laughs> Yeah, every day is a school day. Yeah, you learn something. Right? So you just, mm. but you can adjust the sensitivity, is what you're saying. Yeah, and you can well, in, in them light fittings generally, they're really good because you can adjust the sensitivity. You can change it so they come on in light when it's light and when it's dark, which the PIRs you sometimes struggle with. Yeah. Um, and you can also generally change the color of the light LEDs, so you can flick a switch and you get like a warmer colored light. Oh, I love this. Oh my God, I remember getting lost in a conversation about what kind of LEDs I wanted, whether I want cool light, natural light, warm light. I was like, I don't know, mm. like, geez, like. Yeah, well, in, I always like warm light, but the photographers don't like it. I don't like it, yeah. No, but equally, they don't live there either. So, do you yeah, know, we probably just need different house. bulbs. Yeah. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you get the bulbs that can change colors. So you don't need, yeah. 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 yeah so, so what we do is you, you flick it into white when the photographer's coming in, and then you turn it back. Yeah. So it's just a, a, a higher initial outlay because that's a more expensive bowl, presumably. I don't know, because the ones I'm talking about are like bulkhead fittings. So they're, they're not that. There's no big difference, really. I've just realised we're getting incredibly informative. I'm so sorry, but I find light. <laughs> yeah. About I love light bulbs. <laughs> about light bulbs. It's fine. I don't. I think we can get informative about light bulbs and still be completely irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> and and you, you know what? Um, I don't think we've all answered uh, Neil's question. No, you oh, yeah, what was the question? was um, about tenant compatibility and experiences with that and maybe other properties or other agents. And we're talking uh, about students and then we've got sidetracked. Yeah, so how is that, I suppose, how, how, how important do you think it is and how important do you think other people think it is? Because I know that everybody in this room thinks it's very important. Yeah. yeah. But working in the wider property market, we certainly it's, it's come across the lots first... of landlords that are like, just fill it with whoever, we don't care. Yeah, I, I think. Sorry, Matt. I was going to say, well, well yeah, I've, I obviously think it's very important. It forms the first chapter of the book, of my book. So um, it's, all, it's all about you know, the tenant and taking our, our very first tenants where we just took anybody and ended up with the police being called uh, mm. and, and learning the hard way um, by a tenant who I, I think we've still got. Or is he gone? Oh, yeah, right? I, you're talking Johnny, aren't you? And, and I can't remember the girl's name, but I know who you're talking about in room two. He, he was he was in room two, yes. Um, but anyway, so we mustn't name names. Johnny's not his real name, anyway. Um, it's not actually no. <laughs> Johnny in room two. Um, but yes, the Johnny was the one that wasn't the problem. Um, oh. so, he's not in room uh, two either. So. No, no, he's definitely not. Um, so what was I say? Yes, so, so um, the whole idea of tenant compatibility, I learned very very early on. And it's something which has been very important, which is why kind of we work with people like Neil um, and some of our other agents and, and, and um, what we do at Cohome as well. So it's about that bringing people together who, who match. And I do see people, um, I, I, I suppose it's, it's the more old school agents that are not thinking about it so much 
Um, but also I think it's a difficult skill. As you say, it's all about that EQ, that emotional um, uh, intelligence, which uh, not everyone's got. So someone may have the ideas so, so to have an amazing compatibility of, of people in a house, um, but just not be able to execute it. Mm-hmm. So I, and I have seen that before with some agents who have the best wish, wishes and will in the world, uh, but just fail in execution because they have the right people on their team. Yeah, I think for me, I think something you touched on earlier was uh, where you can, where we look at the, obviously most of our housemates are young working professionals. Um, so in the main, we don't really mix up age groups that much. Mm, which is very um, sensible. Which is in the main, it's quite sensible. And it, there, I guess there would, there could be an, an occasional exception to the rule where someone who might be a little bit older than everyone else in the house but actually is free-spirited or young at heart and actually will mm-hmm. fit in with them very well or vice versa. Where... Like, like if I moved into one of your HMOs, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Or if you've got a 20-something-year-old that's a lot more mature but fit into an older house yeah. group very easily. But we had, an, had a, an, uh, a potential housemate move into another property once and she was a 17-year-old girl moving into a house that had four 30-something-year-old men in it. Oh, whoa, what? And I'm like... I'd, I've no. What? <laughs> I was just think if, if that were my niece, I don't have kids, obviously, but if that were my niece moving into that house, then I would not feel safe with her in there. She um, wasn't from Salford, then was she really? She wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe she would have been okay. Maybe she would have fitted in, but I'm like, chances are it's not, that's not a good fit. It's also that same, that's the same thing of bringing in one member, one person from one sex and having everyone else from the other. Um, again, again, we're, we're, we're talking stereotypes here. Stereotypes, yeah. We are very, very much talking stereotypes here because it's, it, it can be fine. But it's, you know, regardless of age, it, it's, it, is it going to be? I think she wanted to move in, didn't she? She, she wanted to move in, yeah, because we, we were kind of putting her off moving in but she was adamant that she wanted to move into that house i mean i'm that for me that's screaming daddy issues like why why would a 17 year old want to live with like what was it four 30 something year old men i mean that's yeah. it just doesn't feel right it didn't it just didn't sit right with me so we should she never moved in we didn't. she didn't okay she didn't. No, no. yeah I, I think that's a, a sensible idea really to be fair i think there's the we've had the opposite end where we had a landlord who found one of his own tenants and, and the house had four young professionals. Um, I think the oldest was 27. Um, and he moved somebody, one of his friends who'd split up with their wives into it. And he was in his 60s. Oh. And it was just, he wasn't a nasty person. It didn't go wrong in any sort of creepy way. But it went wrong in like, he put a paddling pool in the garden and had his grandchildren around. And then he put a heater in the paddling pool. And then he bought a hot tub. And then this, the landlord's going like, why is my electric bill this day? And it's like, it's because this guy that you brought in is doing this. He's like, well, what can we do? nothing to be honest because we're in the middle of a pandemic there's very little we can do about evicting him he's your friend you probably need to go and have a conversation with him now and and tell him he's not allowed to have a hot tub because we've told him several times and he's like oh you know he's my friend he'll let me um but it does happen it's it's you know it's if it doesn't feel right it probably isn't right Mm. i like that i think that's true and it comes back to that emotional intelligence and that intuition that you know you need to listen to um, as both a landlord, but also as a as a letting agent, you know. Yeah, like, and I think does this work? The same thing in maintenance. If it doesn't look right, it's probably broke. Mm. You know, <laughs> even if your bill your builder tells you that hole should be in the side of the house, 
if it doesn't look like the other house in the street, it probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. As, just co- coming back to that example of uh, moving some moving someone in. So I thought you were talking about me there for a minute because <laughs> we did the same. What did you? You remember? Wasn't you? Yo, we a, friend, wasn't a, friend, you. a friend of um, a friend of my mum's. Oh yeah, he yeah yeah no no it wasn't actually to be fair it was a house in Salford. Um, he got on really well actually to be fair. But he went into quite a quiet house, didn't he? He did, yes. It can work. I think it's. It, yeah, it, it's not a it's not a blanket approach. I think it's you just have to take it on a case by case basis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're now coming to a bit of um, episode roulette. So um, Joe. Would you like to lead the way and explain how this works? Yes, indeed. So for uh, new property jammers to the podcast, um, we every episode when we have a guest on, we do what's called episode roulette, where we scroll through previous episodes that we've recorded. Our Mm -hmm. guest says stop and whatever episode we land on, we get them to share their human perspective on the topic that was talked about. So it could be anything from tenant stories to guilty pleasures to what not to wear. You name it. It, Mm -hmm. It's open. So. Neil, no pressure. I'm going to be scrolling. No so just say stop when you are ready. So stop. Okay. All right. Episode 22, FOMO. So this was fear of missing out. So do you suffer from that as a, a human being? <laughs> and can you relate that to being a letting agent in any way yeah maybe actually because when we first maybe I don't suffer from it as much now actually if I'm honest because I think you, you learn lessons as you um do you because you, if, if you think you're going to miss out you quite often make a wrong decision don't you I suppose mm. to be fair and I think it's looking sometimes at the quality of the stock that we've taken on board and now all of our stock really is is quite is very high quality stock is you know is, is places that we would want to live but equally, when the company first started, our first house was amazing. It's a nine bedroom, it's nine en suites, it's, it's all mod cons. Then we took on some that were pretty good. But then we got approached by some landlords that were like, well, we can see you're doing a good job. You know, how about you take on this seven-year-old house with no en suites? And we, I was like, do you know what? We did take on a couple of them. And you know what? They're the most unprofitable <laughs> houses that we've got for everybody because, you know, the landlords don't make as much money out of them. But equally every talks about letting fees being really profitable and you know what really they just pay for you to find somebody for the room and if you end up doing 22 viewings to let a room really you're paying to let it for somebody so um yeah so FOMO was really the one lesson that we learned is that we need to be really careful about the stock that we take on and especially if our ethos is to provide a quality of product to our client as a landlord and as a tenant it's kind of similar to just taking the first tenant that turns up. It's you don't take the first landlord that turns up either. Yeah, exactly. And it, but it's in the beginning, and, and as, as you guys, as Matt said earlier, as you guys know, it's it's very difficult when you you've got the mm. point where you're going. Actually, do I pay the bills, or do I not? Because actually, as a small business owner, as you guys know, sometimes it, the decision is as cut and dry as do I take this person because I need the money. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Very very true. But it gets easier as money not four minutes saying we're rich but it gets easier as 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 money's not as tight as you scale up basically yeah you can to be fussier i guess yeah yeah and also as you scale up you have more properties advertised you have more people coming in you have more approaches and actually you can be a little bit more selective because in the long run 
it's all about getting the, the proposition right. And if, we've, if we're really searching for that particular person and bringing them in, we've got suitable products for them, even if one, product, one house has gone. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, that's the bit of, and I think one thing, I, yeah, I certainly get in firm with the office. We're in a really lovely office now, to be fair, but I'm going to be honest, I walked into this office in November last year. We were in a really small office downstairs and I walked in and I saw it was brand new and it was all painted and everything like that. And I'll be honest, it was far too big for us, but I didn't want somebody else to have it. So no, <laughs> Still here now. Love but it. equally, I think it's helped us hire people. It's helped us you know, keep people motivated. It was the right decision, but it was one that was made because I didn't want to miss it. Yeah. There is, there's always that um, thing of you, you need people before you think you need them. You need the space to grow into. Like mm-hmm. if you had, yeah, because if, if the space wasn't available when you actually needed it, then, you know, and, and, it, and it's like having that space that you want to call your own and, and growing into it and being, feel like it's somewhere safe. Like you want to enjoy going into the office because it's your business. Agreed. You want your team to enjoy going into the office. If, they, if they're going into this pokey, um, you know, little, you know, broom cupboard, then, yeah. Which was our first office, around. to be honest. Um, <laughs> but equally, I think, I mean, I'll be honest, that probably 70% of the reason I chose this office was because it has a nice view out of the window. Maybe that's the yeah. wrong decision, but maybe it's the right one. Well, no, I think that's not. I think that's a decent decision because you'll feel a lot better in work. You'll be, you know, your mental well-being is as important as your physical well-being. So, indeed, it's what you look at all day as well. So, um, the only thing I might suggest is, you know, a bit of colour on the wall. Yeah, unfortunately, this is the wall behind me. I mean, to be fair, it is very. It's like a HMO room, to be honest. Isn't it? You'll see, because it's all black and grey. Oh, mate, that's really dismal. Um, but then if you look out of the window. Oh, we're going on a, on a tour. Oh, look. You can see across the whole city. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Oh, that's wicked. All, all the I suppose we have little bits. Yeah, because we're, well, we're in. Uh, but we, but location was important as well, I suppose, because we're 20 minutes away from all of our, the, the furthest travel distance we've got from here to one of our properties is 22 minutes. Oh, that's good. That is really good. Mm. So it was, it was, it was a lot of, and it's nothing to do with the fact that I live three minutes that way. <laughs> nothing to do with it. Nothing. Just happened to be that close. To yeah, you're always the one that turns up late, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, yeah, you're right. 100 percent late. It's three minutes away. Therefore, I'm going to leave the house at nine o'clock to get it's there for nine o'clock. Yeah. yeah, and then, and then drive through McDonald's coffee. on the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Instead of the gym. Yeah, exactly. All that money you've spent. Right, next. I'm scrolling again. I'm scrolling again. I'm scrolling again. Speed round. Oh, is it me to say stop again? Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. Confused. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Episode 20. Property. Isn't there a system for that? So this was talking about systemizing what we do as investors. So presumably, being a letting agent, you've got systems coming out your everywhere. <laughs> Ears. Ears. Um, to be honest, we only have two main systems, really, if I'm honest, which we yeah. use Arthur Online to manage. Oh, do you? Use mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know it can be a bit clunky from the outside. And don't get me wrong, we've had our issues with Arthur at certain points as well. They've mm. been very good overall. Um, but when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. <laughs> um, Arthur plug. Love it. Yeah. Um, but when it goes right, it goes right. I mean, the other week, last two months ago, we were in the middle of doing statements and Keenan voided one transaction. And weirdly, it, it took about 40 or, 40 or 50 transactions off the, that tenant. Um, 
and literally we he, he had to sit he, we were like sat here because it was like the day before statements were due to go out to landlords and we literally sat here till maybe like 10 o'clock that night trying to work out what had gone um i mean we managed it um and then we use a different system which is podio um which is a system that i've designed a workflow system that i designed myself and that takes tenants from a welcome letter which is like a an intention to let um all the way through referencing and all the way to signing contracts so basically it's it's a click button process all all that somebody who's shown somebody a room has to do is put in the tenant's name email address phone number and click send oh well actually in the date they want to move in in which property press send they get a letter that says um thank you for wanting to let this property they go through an application form they then pay their holding deposit by credit card or debit card um once the application form comes in it goes for referencing it comes back and then we check that everything matches and then literally somebody types in three or four details of like rent term date of moving things like that click send send for signature it goes out to the tenant again comes back um and then we transfer it onto arthur and arrange a move-in date so basically the podio bit is like the front end onboarding part and then arthur yeah. is the back end and the management part yeah exactly right okay got it yeah clear but we don't have anything really else because I'll be honest, I wanted to get as much in one place as possible because the more things you have to teach somebody about a system, the harder it is to hire people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more, yeah, things, yeah. the more things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And to be honest, if you've got everything in different places, it's hard work, isn't it? It is it's hard work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Cool. Oh, well, that's it. Is that, that's all we have time for, isn't it, Matthew? It is <clears> indeed. <throat> thank you so much, Neil, for it's all right. Thank you for having me. For coming on at uh, last, last, last Minute Doors. Um, and so we have, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Um, so they can go to our website, which is www.thhmoguys.com, or they can find us on um, Instagram under the same name, the HMO Guys, um, on Instagram, or obviously, um, so that's probably it, or you can give us a call, which the number's on the website. Brilliant. Um, Thank you so much, Neil. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. That would be a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And finally, it's a goodbye from me. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at Property Jam Podcast at Outlook.com. See, See you on the next, next episode. episode.